listeners. Welcome to Hossman FC, part of the LIP Podcast Network. That is, yes, the Lost in Postulation Podcast Network. We are no longer a standalone podcast. We've taken the decision to expand our network, have multiple podcasts under the same banner, and we're better to start than something covering football. I am joined today not by Neil Fitzpatrick. I am joined by someone who had their own footballing career hamstrung by an injury to where else other than his own hamstring. It's Roy Cycli. Hello, and uh, let's start off by correcting. It's soccer. Oh, here we go. Well, that's going to be a common theme of the podcast here. We're recording remotely across the Atlantic, listeners. And Roy is going to call it soccer, probably. No, I'll call it football for the sake of Volpe and the sanity there. But yeah, I'm a longtime caller in of the Lost in Postulation episodes. Huge fan. I'm trying to build out Roy's Corner. I think they've stopped taking the mailbag there. So what other way to to dive in than joining Hussman FC? So a little bit of background about Hussman FC. Nick and I met a long time ago in college at Xavier University in Cincinnati, Ohio, where we stayed. Shout out to the nasty natty. Where we stayed in the dorm, Hussman. And there you go. And then we talked about football late into the night. I think our first night, instead of being out partying with our fellow college mates, and uh, the rest is history. Now Roy has, as he stated and admitted to, hijacked his way into LIP Productions through Roy's Corner as a Trojan horse. And now he's here with me, ready to build this podcast dedicated to football slash soccer nerds like us. Huh, Roy? I like it. I like it. I knew I had a worthy opponent when I walked into the dorm and there was a 10-foot AC Milan flag on the wall. I had to go out and get my own arsenal flag it wasn't yeah, as which, big. which you ended up draping over my bed and then it kept falling off in the middle of the night basically suffocating me to death on multiple occasions that was the goal that was the goal so but here we are fair, fair enough here we are still on it and roy what all the listeners want to know from you straight off the bat will you go on the record saying that the arsenal is going to win it all absolutely this year? absolutely Oh, you I'll will go on the record. Oh, wow, this is new. I, I'm going to go on the record, and you know when we, when we chat here in May, I'll probably be disappointed. But it's always the hope that kills you, and this year, <laughs> the hopes at an all time high. Mikel Arteta, he's building something, and this is the year to capitalize on it. Okay, and that's what makes you believe, Mikel. I have to say, from my perspective as well, I haven't had that much fun watching an Arsenal side as I have these past two years since probably. 2003 2004 the invincibles yeah and i think when you when you hear non-arsenal fans say they have fun watching arsenal it's usually the disaster class that we put in and the memes that come out of the champions league over the last several years although we've been out for for a while the memes still live on so now that other fans are starting to take us a little more seriously i think that speaks to to what Arteta has built and some of the young talent that's come through the academy, as well as a lot of money that's gone tactically in the right places. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You got to spend it right. Speaking of spending it right, what makes you believe that you can make more than 100, 100 points 
to take on Man City because basically that's what you have to do to beat them nowadays. I'd say we're going to do just as well as last year. Obviously, breaking news with Timber tearing his ACL, that's a huge loss. Arteta, I think, mm. wanted to build a little bit on the tactical flexibility with having Timber and Zinchenko white. I think the def- the defense was so predictable that we we set up our team last year near the end where the other teams would set a low block and we had nothing to change whenever our squad was getting a little thin. So you knew what to expect. This year, the, we're one game weekend. We saw Gabriel, the center back who started the last 78 matches. He came on as a sub. So I don't think Nottingham Forest was planning on us playing with a three-back system. And essentially, Thomas Party right back, was playing left wing for some of the game. And it was just all over the place. But I think that's a way we're going <laughs> to set up against teams that are just putting you know 10 men behind the ball and hitting us on the break. So I think that's the only thing that's going to set us apart a little bit from last year. And then looking at City, you know, they're until a little recently, their squad was getting a little a little older aside from the machine, the robot, Holland. But with yeah. Kevin De Bruyne out for, you know, several months with a hamstring injury, you know, I feel that pain. I felt it across the the hamstring multiverse whenever he heard it and, and got and limped <laughs> off. I knew exactly what what that pain was. But the fact that he's gonna have surgery there, you know, I think it would be a lot worse yeah, if it happened after the window closed. But you know, obviously it's Man City. They have, you know, money for days and they spend it very well as well. But, you know, mm-hmm. winning everything last year, I don't know how how much they have to come back and produce at that level. But again, they have one of one of or the best coach in the world um, to motivate them. So he's not going to sit back and um, sit on last last year's victory. So it's going to be very tough. And then you're going to have other teams as well where, you know, I think they're going to surprise a little bit. Um, maybe not this year, but next year with Liverpool, I think they're always going to be in the mix. But mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think this is the year for Arsenal. We have a young team, well-balanced, got a, the strength in the spine of the team. And we get a couple of players back from injury sooner rather than later and get some momentum. I, you know, why not? Why not this year? Why not? Indeed. And you mentioned Kevin, KDB, Kevin De Bruyne. Will you be reaching out to him with some rehab tips for his I hamstring? I will not because he's a very mean <laughs> man and he punishes Arsenal every time we play them. And it seems that Indeed. he comes back from a long-term injury every time Arsenal is going to play them. Um, and he gets, you know, an assist, a goal, three assists. It doesn't matter. So... Let's let him sit out for a little while and, you know, I don't want to wish injury on any player. No, you don't. Maybe that's not true. But, hey, um, you know, we have our own injuries to deal with. So it's part of the game and all the best for him. I will say whenever he's not killing us, he's probably one of my favorite players to watch. Just the way he can hit a pass, hit a ball the power he puts on everything he does is just phenomenal. And he doesn't look like it, but he's probably one of the most athletic players in the, in the mm-hmm. league at his age specifically. I don't think there's a lot of other players that can cover the ground and the number of games that he played, which is ultimately probably how he he had this bad injury. So, you know, all the best for him. Yeah. And, you know, we'll see how he comes out. 
and uh, an incredible professional. You know, he this is the guy that that came into contract negotiations having had his data team put together, you know, a whole pitch and slides to justify his own salary increase based on his data performance uh, just out of this world. So also in, in that regard, is not the type of player you would have had 20, 30 years ago, you know, having beer in the canteen, etc. I mean, these are real professionals. And actually on Kevin De Bruyne, a funny anecdote, good friend of mine from, from Ghent, Belgium, actually. So the hometown of, of Kevin De Bruyne grew up with Kevin living just down the street. And already as five, six-year-olds, Kevin used to show up, ring the doorbell, always with a ball in his hand, and ask, hey, is David home? Can he play? Want to play football? And half the time, most of the kids on the street would say like, no, man, let's just play video games. It's raining out, all of this. Kevin would just go out and kick by himself and look at him now. Look at him now. He's one of the most dedicated players, and I think that that comes off, you know, on the on the screen, off the screen. There's a lot of interviews that he has. He loves the game, and um, it's no wonder that he's probably one of, you know, Pep's most fervent disciples. There you go. And uh, thank you for uh, for being so polite and asking me about my team and whether I'm looking yeah, forward how, to my how season. Do you, how do you think about the new AC Milan signings? I know they're world beaters, so I know you're excited for it. Let's hear it. What do you think? Top four title race? First, a disclaimer that I actually, the past few seasons, every time this time of year, I get massive first day of school vibes. And I hated going to school on the first day, so I'm not that I'm not that excited. I think they ended up doing some nice things on the transfer market. So I mean, they sold Sando Tonali to Newcastle and used that to basically finance seven acquisitions. That hurt when it happened because uh, very attached to him, the whole fan base, him attached to the fan base as well. But for that type of money, to be honest, if I look at it rationally from a business perspective probably made a good deal because it allowed us to essentially rebuild that team, provide Leao and the guys with uh, with some support also up front with Chukweze and your boy, Kristen Pulisic there, your other boy, Yunus Musa in the middle. Let's see. I don't I don't think we're gonna we're gonna bring home any any trophy or or silverware. I think we're gonna be top four, but you know, Inter I think is on another level with respect to us, also in terms of the depth, the squad rotation. Uh, Napoli still on that high from last year. Maybe they do it again, even though they switch managers. And uh, Juve shouldn't be in Serie A, so I'm not going to talk about them. Not on this podcast. And uh, and yeah, so I think we'll be there. Top four, Champions League. We we got lucky last year. I mean, if you told me at the beginning of last season, Champions League semifinal against Inter, I probably would have rather gone out in the group stage than lose to them in the semifinal. But uh, yeah, so um, mixed mixed feelings. It's a sleepy league. I usually fall asleep when they play the late fixture. Uh, so yeah, I'd rather be watching Premier League, to be honest. That's coming from a diehard fan. But I, I think out of the, the two Americans that came over, I, I'm more excited for you and to see how Yunus Musa plays. I think as the left eight, he's mm-hmm. really good at progressing the ball up the field and breaking through the lines coming in as the last attacker. Um, and uh, yeah, I think box to box, box, to box right? 20 years old and came from the Arsenal Academy. So we let him go for nothing. So another, another one gone as you do. Yeah, you have Ben Asser as well. Arsenal Academy. Yeah, we do. 
out injured though. So that's a, a big part of the reason they brought in all this muscle, I think. But yeah, let, let's see what it's like. And then who knows, we could be facing off in the group stage. Uh, let's hope. Uh, of Champions League we right away. We did that when we were in college as well. We didn't speak to each other that day. I remember that. No, we definitely didn't. Well, that's how it goes. And Roy, speaking of not speaking to each other, speaking of mind games, box-to-box midfielders, all the tough stuff, that's something we're going to get to after the break because we got a special segment lined up for our listeners. Listeners, welcome back to Husman FC for our first inaugural segment. Roy and I were texting in the last few days. And we happen to be texting a lot about one specific person. Now, Roy, if 12 years ago, I told you the longest tenured manager 12 years from then in the big five European leagues would be Diego El Cholo Simeone, what would you have said to me? No chance. No chance. The way he plays, I, I thought there would be no chance in terms of a fandom backing a manager for that long incredible what I, that he's still around i mean longer tenures even than uh than pep and and cloppo at the uh, city and liverpool they're second and third at the moment which in itself is quite impressive in this era of getting rid of managers every three to four months it feels like now if i were to sum up simeone it would be the suffering is necessary it's a quote he said himself his players have repeated on multiple occasions and that's what led to us creating this segment, which is the Cholo Simeone 11, the Cholo Simeone XI, where Roy and I have each done our homework. We've created our own formations and teams of players that have never actually played for Mr. Simeone, but that we think express his energy and his ethics, so to speak. Roy, how do you feel about this? Or lack of ethics, I would say. Lack of ethics and passion and let's just be honest, you have to have a certain level of hatred for for your job and what you're going to go through to get rewarded at the end. So I'm, I'm excited to dive in. The cynical in. view. The cynical view by Roy Cycli. Not a fan of Simeone? Not a fan. I respect it, but I'm not a fan of how you're watching it. I can't imagine, you know, showing up, paying top dollar to watch to watch, you know, a bloodbath out there and your team doesn't want the ball. They're going to have the block perfectly and the other team is just going to be frustrated. That's how you're going to win games. And I have a couple of stats when we get into it just over the last 628 matches and it can speak to what exactly he does to just make other teams <laughs> go crazy. Look, I'm I'm coming at it from the other angle, and it's not just for the sake of argument. I mean, you know my energy. You know what I like in, in, in football, in soccer. And to me, having such a set identity that you can go across players, now basically across two generations of players, get those results and break up, essentially, what he's managed to do is break up this duopoly of Barca and Real the last few years right to limited success, but still taking two La Liga titles going to two Champions League finals and winning two Europa Leagues with, let's face it, the saddest of the clubs in Spain, right? The club which was were perennial losers. 
I think there's there's a lot that needs to be said about that, like really creating a system, right? And yes, it's not the beautiful Bielsa or Pepe Barca system, but I think he it's a system which is uh, from from the circumstances, right? That's what he had to do, getting an Atletico Madrid. Questionable if he had to do it or the levels he will go to to get there. But again, he was coming up against you know, Barcelona, maybe a couple years after the absolute peak of Barcelona, but they still had the uh-huh. best player in the world. You know, out of the top 10 in the world, they probably had four of the best players. And then you go a few miles, one, a few, a few hours across, and they have the other four best players in the world at Real Madrid. So to, right. to snatch a title and all the accolades that you're talking about, I, I agree. You have to, you have to be a little different, but you can go back to those Champions League matches where I'm not a fan of either team that I'm watching and my blood pressure is just through the roof watching all the fouls, all the dark arts just unfolding. And maybe it would be a little different if you they pan to the sideline and the manager is calm, cool, and relaxed. But, you know, that is not the case. He's in all black, the black tie, the black suit, and he's ready for for the battle and that's I think that's part of the the draw and why people like Simeone and that he doesn't change for the opposition he's going to do what he wants he doesn't care about the Uh pundits the the other coaches the commentary or how people view him and his team he's just out there for one thing and it's to win win the football match yes and Another person that has that has had that similar approach made a career on it at various points, albeit often with, on average, much better players until recently, is your man, Jose Mourinho. Don't so before we get into the 11, Mourinho or Simeone? Simeone. Mourinho, he's, he's done some amazing things in the past, but his teams are unbearable to watch. And then whenever he's at fault, it doesn't take much for him to throw his team, the owners, under the bus and find another project where he does the same exact thing and recycles mm-hmm. his tactics, which are becoming outdated. And I don't think he's been able to to pivot as much as Simeone has the last few years um, to the point where I don't think you know he's at Roma right now. There was some chatter mm-hmm. last year. He was upset with the Roma board, the management, because I don't think he's getting the the level that he was expecting after he got the, was it the CONCACAF or whatever it is, the Europa, mm-hmm. the lowest uh, European title for Roma, which is still a trophy. But right. Simeone has been able to adapt and adjust his squad over the last few years where I don't think Mourinho has been able to. And, you know, at, at, I know they're around the same age, um, but the fact that he's been with the club for that many years, Simeone versus Mourinho hopping from one club to the other, uh-huh. it speaks a lot to being able to continue to motivate your players, make sure the fans aren't turning on you, which is also a big a big aspect that goes under the radar. You know, I'm a I'm a yeah. huge Arsenal fan. Arsene Wenger, the last four or five years of his reign, Wenger out. How many times have you heard that? Maybe from me after some of the games, you know, there's a certain Bayern, you've printed out pieces of paper. There's a certain Bayern Munich home game that didn't go our way where I thought that was it. There's no way we come back from this. And 
you know, flash forward, there was three and a half more years of Wenger after that. So I think that's, yeah. you know, I'm well, going to go with. Could we say that the villains, let's say, the Mourinho's, the Contes of this world are in it for themselves, whereas a Simeone, there, there is a refreshing sense of loyalty there, whether you like the style of play or yeah, not. Yeah, I think, I think that's a good point. Although, as I say, he's reinvented himself the last few years. He's right. also reinvented it to be a little bit more about himself and the ego versus maybe the the first few years where he was, you know, coming at it with the dark arts as a team, us against them. Right. Um, you know, point. he's had the the famous sideline uh, grabbing his cojones, which is a manager at the Juventus at the stadium. Juventus stadium to the Juventus fans and. Didn't turn out well for him at the end, but no, unfortunately, he didn't. He didn't pull that one off. But Roy, the eleven of Cholo Simeone, are oh, you I'm ready? ready? Let's do it. Good. So, how we're gonna set this up, Roy and I, we each work through uh, our formation separately. We didn't reveal anything to each other before stepping into the studio for the podcast, and. Let's reveal positions one by one. And then what we're going to try to do as we do it, we're going to try to to get a consensus on who has the better pick for each. So then we create kind of this this combined 11, assuming that we don't already have the same players, but I doubt it. Uh, and then we'll take it from there. Roy, what formation did you put? I went with a classic 4-4-2 and going okay. a little bit more into it, just the four staying back for the most part. They might come up one at a time, but then the four across as well are going to be very defensive-minded and work very hard to come back to the ball with a little creativity on the wing, similar to what we saw when he won the title in, was it 2013, with Arda Mm -hmm, Turan and mm -hmm. Koke. And up top, we have two strikers. One likes to drop back, and I think the striker is going to surprise you who who I go with to fit into the dark arts. but. Yes, I went with the class, the classic four four two. Yeah, I also did the classic four four two. Emphasis in my team was not so much on creativity, a lot more on hardworking and potentially counter attacking players, with still some quality. Let's not forget to be able to kind of keep the ball in the corner flag at the end, and all of these type of aspects of of shithousery, right? So wingers that can on the attack come in more narrowly, step back to basically be a second and and uh, and fourth left and right back in, in the defensive situations. And um, yeah, let's see. Hopefully it's balanced. What I'm missing in mine is creativity, I think. Um, but then again, if you look at those Cholo teams and you look at the midfields, you're talking at high points, you know, Gabi, Koke, Thiago, not the Andrea Pirlos of the world. I love it. Let's do it. All right, Roy. Kick us off with your selection for goalkeeper of this new age Cholo Simeone 11. So I think this is a, maybe an obvious for the the top shithousery we've seen in years at the highest level. <laughs> and I kept on going back and forth because I wanted to be a little different. But So I'm going with Emmy Martinez, which may be... No surprise to those who saw the World Cup. His shithousery in the penalties were 
that of legend, it'll go down probably in 20 years as the Emmy Martinez show. And he's gotten People to the level really of shit. really mad about that. Very mad about it. I'm, I'm an Emmy, Emmy Martinez fan. Maybe not as much after the last few years when he left Arsenal. Every every interview he comes out and says that Arsenal did him wrong. He was a third choice keeper for ten years at Arsenal and went out on loan how many times? Fair but enough. he's a great shot stopper. Distribution is questionable, but you're going to get so many shots thrown at you. You need a big a big goalie that loves the time wasting, the dark guards, the mm. you know kicking the boots on the post. Not sure if he wants to go short or long, waste the time, mind games with with the other penalty taker when you're going to have a penalty, which as an Atletico Madrid team, there's probably going to be many. So I'm going with Emmy Martinez. Yes, sir. And I actually had the same. I didn't even really consider anybody else. And I think also in terms of quality, though, let's be honest, like if we take that World Cup run of Argentina, which was of all the Argentinas you and I have seen in our lifetime, was definitely not the best Argentina team on paper. In fact, probably one of the worst. He held them in games. Uh, And we're talking games where they were often going down or the others were coming back. Some of those saves in the extra time of the World Cup final were absolutely insane. So yes, in terms of the shithousery, in terms of the mentality, also being Argentinian like Simeone, but I think also in terms of the quality... We are probably talking about, you know, a top 10 keeper in the world on his best day at the moment. Top 10 is fair on his best day. Yeah, exactly. I didn't want to I didn't want to jump the gun and solidify him within that top 10 because uh, I don't think I could do that math. Now, Roy, we have our goalkeeper. We've agreed on him. Not much discussion there. Who's your right back? So this is one where I think we're not going to have the same name at all, but I'm basing this off of the Napoli right back of the 2010s Christian Maggio. Oh, wow. What a shout. Very consistent player. He has the eye to go forward, but defense first mindset. And he was part of the team that was counterattack, counterattack, counterattack when Napoli was popping up and giving everybody a headache around the same time when Dortmund and the you know 2010s were yeah, definitely. doing the same. It was what you had... Napoli and Dortmund as the two teams that were coming and surprising Europe. And I think he was a um, a consistent player several years at Napoli there. You know, did the same. I think you can speak maybe to it a little more with Italy. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, Christian Maggio was, was super consistent. I think he had a patch there of, let's say, three to four years where uh, under Walter Mazzari. And then maybe he even stayed on in those Rafa Benitez years where he was actually the right back of the Italian national team, like you said. I think, okay, at the time, we uh, <laughs> we didn't have an abundance of talent in the position. I think the backup was Ignazio Bate, who uh, somehow ended up becoming captain of AC Milan after, simply due to seniority. But uh, Cristian Macho, great shout. I, I didn't even think of him uh, in this case. Uh, but yes, I think he could he could really work within, uh, within a Cholo Simeone team. Do you want to hear mine? Let's do it. Let's hear it. All right. You're not going to like him. I don't really like him. He's now not so much even a football pundit as much as a politician. Gary Neville. Ugh. But that's the exact reaction, right? That's the exact reaction because never a super talented player, right? 
okay, yes, within the context of prof- being a professional, etc., but not super talented when you compare him to that generation at Manchester United. But nobody ever took his spot away from him. Not incredibly athletic, but he got the game. And I think, quite frankly, he worked harder than anybody else. He has had a bit of that that flair and that temper as well. And he's been, of course, in the winning locker room, but where in those Fergie years where they had a lot of beef with a lot of teams, including your own at the time, and he was somehow always in the center of it. Yes, Roy Keane had to come and get his back a few times, but Gary Neville, in terms of the work ethic, at a right as a right back in this system where you need it, that's my pick. Fair pick. I I'll hold my thoughts on Gary Neville, the the pundit as a history <laughs> revisionist. Yeah. Okay. Right back. So do we go Neville or Majo? I think you made a good point. We'll go Neville. I didn't even consider him be due just solely on Neville the person, but he he was all about the dark arts as well and maybe not as well playing as fair. I think you never saw Christian Maggio um, flare up the other team. It was just more the defensive presence and what he was good at, you know, running to the 18, crossing the ball in. And that's a lot of what you're going to see, not too adventurous going forward. But um, I think we go Neville. And let's keep Maggio potentially for for that bench, for that thin bench, which we're going to have as a Cholo Simeone team. Center backs. All right, so my center backs are, there's so many that you can pick, but I think the two I went with, and this is, again, I I kept on flip-flopping back and forth, um, but obviously the first one that came for a shithousery center back with, was Pepe. He played oh, same God. city, but you have to have somebody who really leans into just being an evil person. He looks like an evil mm. person. I think he was a <laughs> from the early twenties. He had hair and he went bald. You've seen him with hair, and he purposely goes bald, and That's true. that just tells me he's there for for battle, for war. So you need him there to anchor the the defense and really buy into we're going to suffer, but not only are we going to suffer, you're going to suffer to get a goal. And I think we've seen countless red cards, yellow cards, fouls, pulling Messi's hair over the years where he really leans into being a generation's villain. And I think you need that in the team. Um, And not not only that, he was a very, he is a very talented player. He's still playing 40 years old. Um, I think he was in the Portugal national team still. So he, he has longevity. And I think when we will go to it a little bit, the number of players Simeone's used over his last 12 years, um, is remarkable. He he likes a squad that's going to be there every game. And I think you're going to have that with Pepe. And then I went with the left center back. I was debating a couple of players, but I also went with the fear factor and a, just a good defender mm-hmm. in his day for a few seasons with Liverpool, Martin Skirtle. Oh, yes. From Slovakia. And he was a brute. I was going to think maybe with Vidic, but you Ooh. know, I think we already have Pepe there. Vidic was a, maybe a little more. Well, no, let's be honest. He he was also terrifying. But Martin Skirtle, um, they that Liverpool team, they were horrible to watch. But so Martin Skirtle could pass out the back really well, huge presence, and he could clear 
clear the ball, headed clearances. He led the league a few years in a, in a row with Liverpool when everything was just crossing into the box and meat and potatoes for the center backs to clear and just keep the low blocks. So those are the two I went with. And I went with a third option okay. of Gary Meadow from Chile. Oh, yes. He played at Inter at one point. That guy was disgusting in every sense of the word. And I, I don't know if you remember, he broke Neymar's oh. back in 2014, the World Cup there. Yeah, he, he also sw- did, did some much more vulgar gestures to other players in a Copa America, which I will not divulge too much on this podcast. That was so dirty. It, and yeah, that's. I mean, he's still playing. I think he's in Syria actually, in Bologna maybe. But mm-hmm. uh, don't fact check me on that. But yeah, I will. But he, I think uh, he's he'll around. He'll go across. He'll go across the the back line. He'll fit anywhere. But he's I, the last couple of years playing center back. I think he's five nine. He's playing center back. He went left back for a while. He was originally a a CDM. As you lose your athleticism, you get older. He's reinvented himself a few ways, but he's kept one thing true where he's just a disgusting player that does not care about safety in this this day and age of players maybe not going into tackles as hard as usual um, as like maybe 20 years ago. But he still holds that true. And I mean, if I'm a attacking player and I'm 50-50 ball, I'm going to be a little more nervous of him than most center backs that I see, not for his talent, but the fact that he is going to go into a tackle pretty rough. And I think mm-hmm. you've seen those players with Simeone. The only reason I didn't pick him was for the size. I don't think a 5'9 center back is going to cut it. So yeah, those are my center back options. What about you? I think good options. One thing we have to keep in mind as we craft this, and that's a good thing that we've both uh, been making lists, is to find the balance because we cannot have a team of eight to nine assassins, right? You can. (laughs) You'd like that, wouldn't you? Um, Or Simeone might like that. So, um, I mean, Pepe, solid pick. I just can't picture him in in the red and white stripes at the moment, but maybe that's not the point. Um, and then uh, Guy Metal, yeah, just just nightmares from this guy. Not, not even that good. I don't even remember him being that good, just in the middle of all this controversy. Um, so, so yeah, let's see. And Skirtle, that's a good shout. I remember that back pairing with him and uh, and Daniel Aga, actually, from Denmark uh, in, uh, in Liverpool at the time. It was not a very good Liverpool team. It was like coming off of that 2007 Champions League final appearance, but... They did. They were quite solid at the back. Now, I have two picks for my center backs, and then we can decide who we put in. My first one, I'm going all the way back to the 1982 World Cup to the man that managed to literally kick Diego Armando Maradona out of the World Cup, also known as Gaddafi, because he was born in Libya but played for the Italian national team, Claudio Gentile. Gentile meaning kind. I mean... What a nickname for what a player. Exactly. And I'll, I'll read you just a short passage here from these football times about Gentile. Just two short paragraphs here where they refer to him as Claudio Gentile in defense of the dark arts master. The brutality was as effective as it was violent. The claustrophobia inflicted on his opponents was stifling to the point of suffocation. Reputations were swept away 
as easily as a standing leg when receiving the ball. Such was its effectiveness and the relentlessness with which it was pursued. Claudio Gentile's performances in the second round of the 1982 World Cup were a juxtaposition of exquisite barbarism. How about that? I mean, that feels like a paid ad that he set out to <laughs> to promote himself. He wanted that pay raise. Sports washing, and he played for Juve, so it makes sense. <laughs> All right, who else you have? That's a good shout. So partnering Mr. Gentile actually is somebody that started off as a as a midfielder and only towards the end of his career became a center back. Again, not a very big guy, but in terms of leadership, um, I've always liked him. Javier Mascherano. How about that? You know, I I'm not going to spoil it, but I had him as a shout for a midfielder. Okay, okay. On I'm my not team, so... but that is a that is a great. That is a great shout. I don't know but. if I take him in the in the defense though, right? Because if we talk prime Mascherano, he was one of the the best midfield CDMs, let's say, of his generation. So from mine, what I would propose if you're up for it is Claudio Gentile, and then one of yours. I think you have to go, and again, I don't think every game they're going to get a red card, but Gentile sounds like the '80s version of Pepe with I mean, man marking. With, yeah. Um, so I think we have to go with that, and then we have to to just think about how many red cards, cards, or how many games they're going to be playing together. But I think Pepe <laughs> and Gentile together are oh wow pretty scary duo. Oh wow! So at the moment we have El Dibu Martinez in goal, Gary Neville as the right back, seemingly the angel amongst this bunch, with Claudio Gentile. And Pepe in the middle, the villain. So Yeah, so now for left back. Left back. I'll hit you with mine. This one I also went back. I went back to Dutch 70s total football out of respect to, to my father, who at the time was basically cheering for the Netherlands instead of Italy, believe that or not. That's how captivating they were. Rude Kroll. I also ran out of left back, so I figured... Adachi from the total football era with that long hair. Why not? Yeah, I found uh, I found a very, very hard to find a left back that that fits exactly the ethos that we're looking for. So I what? went and I thought exactly to look at Mourinho's team. What mm. left backs have I seen? And oh no! And then you can guess what Inter player. Left back with a helmet stood oh. out as an absolute just tireless runner, defense first. He was so annoying. First at Roma, then at Inter. Christian Kivu. A pest, an absolute oh. pest. How many times would he cross the ball, get pushed over, roll around, and kill time off the clock? It yeah. was every every Champions League match wasting time nonstop. And he was defense first, got up, but he never I you know, don't quote me, he never made those overlapping to the byline to the no, end very line. old school. Very old very, school. Basically old a center school. back out on the left. And also a cyborg, a Romanian cyborg where he would never mouth off. I mean, that was an inter team, if you remember. 
which was surrounding the referee with 10 players in any given moment, doing everything that was possible. You remember the semifinals against Barca the year they won it all. But Christian Kivu never in the middle of any of that, just kind of doing the job and then letting, you know, your man who we, you know, honorable mention, Marco Materazzi, who neither of us included in our teams, he would let him do that stuff. But Christian Kivu is actually a, a really good shout. More defensive than my pick uh, in that sense. Uh, but maybe that's what we need here. More cover. I think so, because my, and well, I don't, I'm not sure we haven't talked about the wingers yet or the outside uh, of the team, but we need a little more cover for what I'm, what I'm going with and we'll see. So what do we think for the left back? Who are we going with? I think we go Christian Kivu and I want to give a shout out that so far this kind of villain approach has resulted in no Arsenal or Milan players picked. Of course, of course. We Make have, of it uh, what you will. We have no villains whatsoever <laughs> in the history of our teams, of our clubs. Okay, so let's let's go over to the left side, the left mid. Who do you have? Oh, you start on the left mid. Okay, I, li- I like this kind of snake approach Snaking that you take across the formation. So actually, I have someone that's still playing, ventured out to the Premier League last year, super hard worker on that left wing, very versatile, has also annoyed me plenty. Ivan oh, Perisic. Okay, I was. It took me a second. Yeah, Great basically a, a mar- an ultra marathon runner, right? Like all those Croatian guys from from that 2018 team. Yeah, he's up there in age right now too, and he's still at a high level. He's one of the. He's a he's a pesto. I think is he. You know, we can fact check later. 35, 36 years old, and yeah, definitely just a tireless worker left mid but also left back i think for tottenham last year played as a left back for most of the games but they're pretty shit so it doesn't matter where he plays there. Hey, easy there huh? that's that's my wife and father-in-law's team huh? they're gonna hear this oh uh, well you know it's a pilot episode so <laughs> we might get canceled afterwards but yeah exactly so i went with similar approach tireless runner still playing angel di maria Ooh, and, and I, how- I could see it in that shirt I could see it. He runs forever. He will put in all the work. We saw it most recently, or the world saw at the World Cup. Mm. Um, he will do all the running. He does not care. He'll run. He's very talented, so he gives you that creativity as well. But he'll come back and help out. Um, so that's where I went with Angel Di Maria. He's very talented, tireless runner. What else do you need? Yeah, that's a good shout. My only worry with Di Maria is he can be a bit of a prima donna. And do Cholo teams allow for that? Like he, he kind of wants to be the star of the team or no? I don't think so. I don't. I mean, no? he's he's been at clubs where he's not the star of the team and he still shines in his own way. Mm. Um, yeah, obviously, when he's at Benfica, he was the star. He went to Real Madrid. He was one of the stars and... Since then, I think he just goes club to club where he's consistent and just still works at a at a high level. And I don't think you're a prima donna in the sense where, you know, he's won almost everything or now he's won everything, but he still works tirelessly at his age coming back and just putting in the the miles per game or the kilometers per yeah. game. So I like the quality there. I like that he can also join the attack. So so let's go with Di Maria out there uh, on the left. But I want Perisic coming in off that bench. 
Yeah, man. man imagine Di Maria coming off in the 75th, and then what are you going to do when the the other team's right back's tired? You're going to put on Perisic? That's, that's tough. That's, that's a tough nasty. ask. Yeah. All right, man. Now, coming into the midfield, two center mids. Mine are a bit similar in, in their box-to-boxness. Uh, what about yours? I'd say the same. And this is maybe the midfielders where I'm going for listeners listening and they're hearing me say all these players in the 2010s, maybe a little more current. Mm -hmm. Um, This is one where I am going back a few years um, to fit maybe a player that I think could adapt to the next 10 years and the current, the current status, but box to box, but also having the, the tenacity Mm -hmm. and the talent. Um, so the two midfielders for me are Arturo Vidal and oh. Patrick Vieira. So we didn't have any Arsenal players, but oh, wow. you need somebody in the middle of the spine, specifically with Vieira, a leader, a bastard, and just talent, a big guy that can mm. do everything in a two-man midfield. And I think for Arturo Vidal, he's got the the energy, the the willingness to run. He also has the talent. Um, a little bit of the hot-headedness, maybe a little overemphasized, just due to the way he basically his haircut and all the you know the, yeah. the style that he gave off. But the general you know, attitude, general attitude. But for somebody whose nickname at Juve was the Warrior, I think that that says <laughs> a lot about the character himself. Um, Definitely. And then also one of those great players, penalty taker. Also very good penalty taker. One of those players that could you know, do a shift on the left-hand side so he didn't have to stay in the middle, but mm-hmm. that shows a little, a little versatility, but just in general, being able to cover a lot of ground in a, in a two-man midfield. I think Vidal and Patrick Vieira, I don't, you know, he, yeah. he leaned into the dark arts, countless red cards, won it almost all with Arsenal, Invincible. And with France, don't forget. And with France, yeah. Also so lost the uh, World Cup final with France, but you know we don't on. need to get into that for him. Your um, thoughts on the French? You're probably very happy about that, but no, I mean Patrick Vieira, incredible. In this case, if we were to choose if he would be reunited with uh, reunited with his buddy Gary Neville, uh, I'm sure he'd be he'd be thrilled. We're not about talking about that. synergies on the on the field yet, but no, not yet. Okay, he'll play the left side of the of the midfield. Yeah, stay away from Gary. But then. Um, Vidal, I think, is a good shout. Even two years ago, when Inter won their title, he actually played quite a quite a key role in that. Already aged a bit in that midfield with uh, with Brozovic. Brozovic actually, that could be a Simeone player. Also, come to think of it, he just went to Saudi uh, to our new favorite league, uh, I believe. So yeah, for they got him on a really cheap deal. They only paid forty million for a thirty year old player. Exactly. It's like. Uh, like Logan Roy's uh, mausoleum in succession. Just a great deal. Um, So, Okay, so I respect your picks. Let's see if we we fit one of mine in or not. First one is a predecessor a few years before. These two are from the same era. A predecessor of Arturo Vidal uh, also wore uh, that black and white after having failed with AC Milan. Not my favorite Dutchman, not Clarence Seydorf, Edgar Davids, the pit bull, the real pit bull. Oh, that is a good shout. And stylistically also. Yes, yes. 
David's, uh, David's was iconic, right? A pop culture icon just based on even the way he looked, the glasses he wore, but the way he played, you describe it in one word, relentless, right? Both with the, the Dutch national side, played that Euro 2000 final, but then with Juventus. I mean, he was the one providing all the cover for Del Piero, Cezegui, Nedved, all these guys which couldn't be bothered to come back. He was just handling it all on his own. So, And that was really box to box, right? Edgar Davids. My other one, if you remember, La Bruja, the witch, they used to call him, Juan Sebastian Veron. You remember Veron? No, I do not. Veron was the bald, goateed guy from Argentina that played on Lazio, Inter, Man United oh, at one point, Chelsea. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. From the Simeone generation, basically. Um, so, yeah, Veron was there also a bit box to box, a bit more creative at times. Huge Man United flop. Had to go back to Italy to resuscitate his career. Uh, but he played till just a couple of years ago with, uh, with his hometown club, uh, Estudiantes. Uh, so those are my two picks. I'm not that hot on Veron, to be honest, but I would like to see Davids in here. I'm, I'm surprised we didn't put, and maybe that just has to go to, we can't have every game end with nine men, but Nigel De Jong was not one of the players Big that Nige. we picked. Big Nigel, he gets a lot of heat for one specific uh, dirty challenge in a World Cup final to Xabi Alonso, but... He was quite a solid player. He was, you know, basically a Mark Van Bommel-esque uh, type of player. Uh, I don't know, you know how well he wor- he would work in such a counter-attacking team, though. But let me ask, I, this is a going off topic. What would you think of a player like Bastian Schweinsteiger in this team? I, well, I always liked Bastian Schweinsteiger from the beginning of his career when he played out wide, if you remember, like yeah. 20-year-old in the 06 World Cup. In this team, maybe, maybe I'm picturing him in the later end of his yeah. career, where he just sat in front of the the back four. But anyway, let's let's pick the two. So who are we going with? I think it's got to be Edgar. I think Edgar's got to be in there uh, as one of the two. Um, and then then the question comes into play: Do we take do we take Vieira or Vidal? I mean, if you look at career, Vieira definitely. And then if you look at him working with Davids, maybe also. I think we have to go with Vidal. Okay. And that's just because of how we're setting up the team with Gary Neville at right back. Knowing what we know about the history, the chemistry, we have to have a team that is together in every sense of the word. So Fair enough. We'll, Fair we'll enough. go with Vidal. So far, three of our midfielders... They've all played, and it would have stayed the same even if we had Vieira. They've all played on Juventus at one point in their career. Um, so um, now well, you're gonna hate my choice at what I picked for right mid. Hit me with it. I went, and this is because of his early days when he was hot off the scene, tireless, tireless runner before he went up top. Mm-hmm. Carlos Tevez. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I have Tevez also in my team, but not in that position. So I had to fit him in in terms of who I have up top. I was going to go either with Carlos Tevez. My backup was Paolo Di Cano. Yeah. But I went with Tevez just from his early days when he was, what, West Ham, early. Yeah, Corinthians. Early, even. early 
yeah. uh, Manchester United. He he started a lot of those games out wide, and he mm. did the the dirty work for Sir Alex. Um, yes, and he was again. We need a little bit of we need the creativity to be coming from out wide and somewhat the strikers, but you have to have those players that are working both sides of the ball, and he's going to do that. He's good at shithousery. He has a celebration that goes down in the history books as well. Um, Legendary. So, yeah, yeah I, I went with Carlos Tevez. I mean, Tevez, he's in my team. Again, not in this position. For me, not in this position because I think if we look on the left, we have Di Maria and him. There's not enough coming back to really knuckle down when there's defending that 1-0 lead, uh, I think. Um, so my pick there is going back to Liverpool, Dirk Kite. Ooh, that is a good shout. That was a that, hard worker. That He was definition of hard worker. He looked like somebody threw a bucket of water on him every time when the game ended. Um he came up with some big goals every now and then. Also, yeah. Yeah. But do you get the creativity? No, but I don't think you need it there because I'm having it threaded into my attack with Tevis. And okay. we get it from Di Maria. Prime Vidal can also help out on the attack. Okay, so let's go with I, I like your I like that choice a lot is um it's also cover Good for Mr. Dirk. Neville. When Mr. Neville gets beat by the by the new generation of left wingers, Kite can drop back and, and handle it for him. Okay. All right. So um, we got the we got I mean, the midfield I, sorted. I picked Gary in my team, but now I'm just ripping on him. You know, maybe it's the it's the bad cop uh, Simeone Sh- approach. Should have been Christian Maggio. Could have been. Could have been. But now it's too late. We've committed to Gary Neville and our listeners he's, he's, will on the trans- he's on the transfer list in six months' time when the window opens up again. Okay, so one of my strikers is Carlos Tevez. Yep. And the other one, in terms of just the energy, the vibe, that Simeone energy, even think back to some of his goal celebrations. It's not Drogba. I thought about Drogba. But it's Emmanuel Adebayor. We have the same striker. Yes, he's in. And you need so you need that striker that holds the ball up as well. So it's not Keeps just the, the, high. the shit the shit housery. What do they do? They they hit it out to the target man. He can trap the ball back to goal. He's great at linking up the play with the other striker. Um, so I I had him as well as my as my striker. Okay, so Adebayor uh, a strong candidate. Tavis is sticking around, but who was your other one? So this is the the shocker here, and I think he would be phenomenal in the Simeone style of play because he is a dark arts bastard. Harry Kane. Ooh. He huh. can do a lot of what you need in terms of pure goal scoring. He comes in and gives you the creative outlet to drop down deep, get the ball, distribute to Di Maria Adebayor, but then also he is a he he is a expert at drawing fouls, absorbing contact that you need in that striker mm. in the Simeone system. How many times have I seen watching a game? Defender goes up in the air for a goal kick, and Harry Kane just backs into the defender 
draws the foul, but also serious. It's almost a serious injury if the the defender lands it yeah. wrong, and he's and had those. he gets away with it nonstop. Um, and any time wow. that he, well, I I don't like Harry Kane. Let me obvious. This is an obvious statement. I was so happy when he left to Bayern and just well, lost you don't his like him because he scores thirty goals a year in the Premier League. Yeah, I, I remember watching his uh, debut against Arsenal and scoring two goals um, against us. That was painful, but you can't take away the fact that he's a great player, great goal scorer, and can really, you know, you're not going to get a lot of chances in the system, and he's going to make the most of every chance possible. And let's not forget, he works for the team, right? I mean, if you look at Spurs the last three years where they have definitely not been a solid team or they've been a total fiasco, he's been dropping back and playing as a 10 while at the same time playing as a 9. If he worked in a Conte system, he could definitely work in a Simeone one. So it's a good shout. The only worry I have now is that means Carlitos would have to come off the bench. Or... You have Carlitos up top and Adebayor comes off the bench. Because I don't think you have a system where you have both Kane and Adebayor. That's the only downside. There's no outlet in terms of the pace to to connect. So what system did he did he did he have where he had most mm. recently, you know, Griezmann and Alvaro Morata? So right, you have right. Griezmann not really the pace. But he's good at linking up that that final ball coming to, and then Morata's more of a runner. Questionable if he can actually score at a level mm-hmm. needed, but um, that'd be the only thing with Harry Kane and Adebayor. Although you could say at one point Adebayor did have some some very good pace as well. He was a pretty athletic striker, so it's just up to you. I think we put Harry Kane in there, unfortunately. But who I would you put works. for the the? The, bat, the the second, the partner. I think Kane Tavis actually works really well within this system, uh, where where Tavis can can take off some of the the heat of Kane, and then he can still be the the key finisher. Tavis is also incredibly creative, like really old school number ten, even Ronaldinho esque levels of creativity. So I think that could work quite nicely. And Adebayor coming in in crunch time a la, let's say, Fernando Llorente in those last 15 minutes to just somehow finish it. Nobody knows how. All right. I love the I love the team that we're set up. My only concern, and we keep on going back to it, I don't know if we make it off the in a, in a high-stakes Champions League final. Do we leave the field? A victorious, or B? Do we have ten? Do we have ten men? Not necessarily ten men. And Simeone's teams didn't leave the Champions League final victorious. With this one, I think the goal is, a la, let's say, Croatia in a knockout phase, to just tire everybody out, bring it to penalties, and take your chances there with El Dibu Martinez in goal. Um, I think this team can get to penalties, in which case you would have Kane, Tevez, maybe Adebayor, a cold Perisic coming off the bench to take a penalty. Di Maria, great penalty taker. Yeah, I think I think it could go there. Um, but Pepe, Gentile, Christian Kivu, Arturo Vidal, they need at least one of them needs to behave. 
we'll, 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 we'll hope on the best behavior. So quickly, can you run through the team one more time? And afterwards, I want to say a few things on Simeone, just high-level stats <laughs> and why I think this team would work versus why it would not work at some other clubs. All right. We'll have that as a parting shot. Now, for your ultimate Diego Simeone 11, playing out of the Wanda Metropolitano in Madrid, in goal from Argentina, Amy El Dibu Martinez. At right back, former Manchester United captain, now Labour member of Parliament, soon to be Gary Neville. The centre-back pairing. Claudio, not so kind, Gentile, with the ultimate villain, shaved bald by the time he was 21, Pepe. On at left back, with a rugby helmet which he never buckles, Christian Kivu. Right wing, hard worker, sweating from minute one, Dirk Kite. Next to him in the middle. Fellow Dutchman from a previous generation, the Pitbull Edgar Davids. Next to him, Chilean, master of dark arts, former Juventus and Inter, and Barca, and Bayern München, and by Leverkusen, Arturo Vida. On the left wing, Angel Di Maria, World Cup champion. Up front, new Bayern Munich soon-to-be goal scorer Harry Kane paired with Carlitos Davis. On the bench for the Cholo Simeone 11, some combination, there is no backup goalkeeper, of Cristian Maggio, Ivan Perisic, Javier Mascherano, Patrick Vieira, and Emmanuel Adebayor. What a team. What a team. I... I would I would love to see this team in action. The only thing would be Christian Chivu is he's buckling that helmet for the team. He's he, locking he, it in. He better. But that was the thing. In that era, we had two world-class players who had to wear a rugby helmet. One was Peter Cech, who yep. was very disciplined. He buckled it. He really kept it on tight. He showed respect to the helmet. And Christian Chivu, who couldn't give less of an F, just keeping it unbuckled with the thing dangling around the whole game. And when he would go up for headers, it would whip into somebody else's eyes. But that was the energy of that team. And I think that tells you enough about the mindset of the defense, right? Yeah. I couldn't do it. You're running up and down every time the the buckle hitting you in the face. That's impressive. So I think this team would win for a few reasons, and I want to pull up some stats from um, Transfer Marked. With Simeone, since 2011, he's played, or he's managed, excuse me, 626 games. Out of those, he's won 371 games, drawn 142, and lost 115. He's averaging two points per match. Pretty good. All things considered. Wow. The the goals that his team has scored on average out of all 628 matches, 1.68 goals per game. How much do you think they concede on average per game? So they've scored 1.68? Yes. I'm going to say they concede about 0. 0.95. 0.81. Wow. Wow. So good luck trying to score on them. You're, it's, what a it's, system. And not only scoring once, 
scoring multiple times, good luck. So that tells you odds are they're gonna they're gonna capitalize on their chances. So I wanted That's to huge. compare um, another tenured tenured manager, Jurgen Klopp. Completely different system, heavy uh-huh. metal football. Definitely. But I'm out of his 432 games. You know he's won about the same. But I wanted to focus on the points per match. So if you were to guess what the points per match has been for Jurgen versus the system, the style that Simeone plays, how many points do you think he averages? Just at Liverpool or throughout? Just his at career? Liverpool. Well, just at Liverpool, it's quite high. Unfortunately, it hasn't been high enough because City has pipped him twice by one point when he had record point totals. But I'm going to say his point totals are well above that to maybe a 2.6. 2.05. You're kidding. The same as Cholo. A little above. So Cholo is too flat, which okay. I, I'm assuming with more games, then you know, you're going to probably right. regress to either a three, a two, or a one, or a a flat number. But here's where it gets really interesting. So obviously, everyone knows the attacking side of Liverpool. Mm -hmm. Their average goals per game, 2.19. So that's against Mm -hmm. Simeone's Mm 1.68. On defense, you know, they've had some very good defensive players. They Right now, I mean, Big Verge is arguably one of the best center backs the last five seasons in the world consistent before the injury. Now I think he's coming back a little bit getting mm-hmm. up there, but what would you say the, the goals against Liverpool on average have been since 2015? I think it's more than, uh, than Atletico. I think part of that being how much more open the, the Premier league is, I will say actually they do concede close to one goal a game, maybe slightly more 1.2. 1.13. There you go. So you're going to get your chances, but I don't know. I think if you're looking at Simeone, you're scoring 1.68 per game and you're conceding 0.81. <laughs> I would take my chances with that over 2.19 and 1.13. I think the being able to keep that clean sheet might be more important because you're going to get your opportunities with the way the team's set up. Right, right. Well, one's a shootout, the other's a dogfight. But I think you're talking about two of the... They're they're contemporaneous as managers, right? I mean, they've gone at the same time these past 12 years. So Yeah, and I I have a third one because why not? And I wanted to see another tenured manager and you could probably speak a little bit more about the Giandico Jasperini... Ah, Atlanta. Il Gasp, who's also been tenured. Uh, like- 2016. So wow. he's played or he's managed 331 matches. And so uh-huh. probably not as much because of Europe, European right. competition, et cetera, et cetera. Out of that, he's won 169, drawn okay. 80, lost 82. So almost the same win percentage on total with far fewer games as Simeone. They score on average 1.94 goals per game. Yeah. They like concede, Liverpool almost. They concede 1.23. Yeah. In a, in a league where a, a sleepy league, they're still conceding 1.23 a game. And they've had some teams that are pretty good. They, they And you could probably speak to it. It's a couple of years. They had 
the great outside wing backs. They go from like a a five three two to four three three or a four, yeah. three four three. Yeah, um, three five when two. They switch, yeah. When they switch from defense to attack, but the idea where those two managers, Klopp, Jasperini. In general, I think they're like the style of play is much more attractive. The results kind of speak for themselves, but they're not as comfortable to watch as you know what you're going to get with the Simeone team. They're not going to, you know, give you a big opportunity to score. You're going to have to beat them to get that to get that goal. And I think that's what stands out. Looking at the stats, really something that I did not expect. I thought they would have a a one or like you said a point nine. Right. Goals conceded, but and they 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 do create chances to score at 1.68 on an average of 628 matches. So this is not a season season fluke. He has coached it and the philosophy is in the team where they're going to create chances, but they are going to work and they're going to suffer the suffering what they want. And there it is, Roy, on that bombshell. Respect to the Cholo Simeone. The data Respect. even shows it. And listeners, thanks for joining us for, for the first edition of Hussman FC. It's been great to have you on. Roy, thank you. And then we'll be back with more special segments soon. <laughs>